0: Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Glad you're here this morning. Let me invite you to take your Bible and turn to Revelation one more time. Book of Revelation chapter 5. Book of Revelation chapter 5. I've got one verse I want to pick on today. That would be verse 10. But I want to read the whole chapter again. It's just such a great chapter. Remember last week we discovered that we're reading about ourselves worshiping God. Because if John was seeing in the future to something that has not yet happened, then he was also looking backwards to everything that has happened. And so we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 5, if that makes sense for you. The Bible says we're already seated in heavenly places. So when you read chapter 5, just know you're reading about yourself. Somewhere in the future, but also in the present. Does that make sense? That's really deep, isn't it? God loves doing deep things in our lives. Have you noticed that? He's fine if you just want to be shallow, but he invites you into deep water. He says, come out ankle deep. Come out knee deep, right? Come out shoulder deep. And then come out, it's so deep that you can't stand up. You can only swim in it. That's what he called Ezekiel to, right? Well, he calls us to deep. Deep calls to deep. Chapter 5, Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the... Right hand of him who sat on the throne. The right hand represents power. A scroll with writing on both sides, which means there was a lot of writing taking place. And it was sealed with seven seals, which means it was complete. That's what seven represents. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who's worthy to break these seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth un, or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept. Because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or to look inside. John wanted to know what the scroll said. Then one of the elders said to him, do not weep. You see the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. It's talking about Jesus here who died for our sins and rose again. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out unto all the earth. And he came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's your prayers. Remember we said every prayer matters. If the only prayer you can pray is Jesus, if that's all you can get out when something happens and you just simply say Jesus, that's a prayer. All prayers matter to God. They all get above the ceiling. They all go through the roof. We talk about my prayers don't make it through the roof. They all make it. And they make it in the very presence of God, and it's an incense to Him. In other words, it's a sweet-smelling aroma. It's something that pleases him. All of your prayers matter to God. It doesn't matter what you pray. He hears them and it's pleasing to him. <clears throat> and they sang a new song. The book of Revelation uses the word new a lot. It talks about a new song. It talks about a new name. It talks about a new heaven and a new earth, right? It's all about new. And they sang a new song. <clears throat> and it says, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. In other words, people all around the world have a chance to trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He purchased them with his blood. He said, I'll pay for that. It says, you've made them to be a kingdom and priests. This is the verse I want to get back to. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests so to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times ten thousands. That's 100 million right there plus. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Read this with me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature, that's you. And then I heard every creature, that's you. Remember, you're here. We talked about this last week. This is you. And then I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. Say this with me. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the full living creature said, Amen. Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Man, what a worship service! Isn't that powerful? And so back at verse ten, it says, "Jesus has made us to be a kingdom, and to be priests. That's two different things. He's made us to be a kingdom. He's made us to be priests. And so some would say He's made us to be kings uh, to reign in the kingdom. He says He's made us the king, kings and priests to serve our God." and they will reign on earth. So there's a connection here between being a priest, and what does that mean? We're going to talk about it in just a second, and reigning on the earth. Um, reigning or ruling, being in charge on the earth. And it says that priest. we often think of kings reigning on the earth, right? You've got a king, and he's sitting on his throne, or he's got a scepter, and he's, he's reigning, right? He's reigning, he's got a sword drawn or something. But the Bible says that, that priests reign reign on the earth that's what it says right here made to be priest it says in in first peter chapter 2 we read this last week let's read it again this week first peter chapter 2 uh, beginning with verse 4 and following it says as you come to him the living stone this is first peter 2 rejected by men but chosen by god and precious to him you also are living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. You, everybody in this room, is being built to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For the scripture says, See, I lay lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And then jump over to verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He's called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So what does it mean to be a priest who reigns? What does it mean? Well, I've got six things for you real quick, like, And they spell the word priest, okay? So you might want to jot these down if you take notes. Spell the word priest. What do priests do in order to reign on this earth? Kings reign, we get that. But what does a priest do to reign on the earth? The First thing is, they praise the name of God. They praise the name of God. A priest's job back in the day, right? Back when Jesus was there and and 2,000 years before that, when the priesthood began with, with Moses and Aaron and so forth. A priest's job was to proclaim and praise the name of God. And, you know, in our building here, we've got some 80 names of God, however many it is, listed throughout the building here on these signs, right? And the, the priest's job was to proclaim that name and to help the people understand what that name was. So we can look on our wall here and pick out a name Mediator, okay? Jesus is our Mediator. We pick out the name Mediator. And a priest would explain what a Mediator is. He mediates between, in this case, between God and man. So a person would show up at the priest, and he would say, I've sinned, and I've brought an offering. And he would bring a, a dove or a pigeon or or a lamb, whatever his <laughs> sin called for. He would bring it to the priest, and the priest would mediate and say, if you'll offer this dove as a sacrifice, then your sins will be forgiven. He would mediate. So he would explain to the person coming what a what. It meant to have their sins mediated between God and that Jesus Christ is now, for us today, He is our mediator. So when you sin, when you sin, and that sin rises up before God, Jesus intervenes and He mediates. He becomes the mediator. And God says, I don't see any sin because Jesus takes it into Himself. God can't look on sin. He looks on His Son who takes our sin. Right? The New Covenant... Old Testament, Old Covenant. New Testament, New Covenant. That's what Testament means is a covenant, right? The Old Covenant was between God and man. And the priest intervened in between. It didn't work out so well because man kept sinning. Right? The New Covenant is between God and Jesus. And we're in Jesus understand the new covenant the new testament is between god and jesus have an agreement they have a covenant they have an arrangement and jesus said i'll take all the sins of all the people into me and that way father you can have a relationship with them and god said that's acceptable jesus you are an acceptable offering sacrifice uh, for the sins of the world that's why jesus died and that's why we accept him into our heart is the phrase we use which means we believe in him Old covenant between man and God didn't work out so well. New covenant between God and Jesus. Jesus is perfect. He's sinless. He takes care of the covenant for us. He takes care of that arrangement for us, and we're in Him. That's called grace. Amen? Amen. Can you say thank you, Jesus? Jesus. That's called mercy. Can you say thank you, Jesus? Jesus. That's called love. Can you say "Thank thank you, Jesus? So the first thing a priest is supposed to do is to proclaim and praise the name of the Lord... All of the names. As a matter of fact, it says in Psalms 8:2 that out of the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. And if God will raise up babies to praise Jesus, and you've seen them do it and I have too, then we should carry that on as adults. We should praise him. Amen. Hebrews 13:5 says, We should offer to God a sacrifice of praise, which is our spiritual act of worship. And so you're without excuse to the names of God, right? When you walk in here every Sunday, you see the names of God. You're without excuse. Take your phone out and take pictures of it. I've got pictures of all these on my phone that I can scroll back through and look at, right? Amen? Or you can memorize some of them like Jehovah Nisi. He's our banner over us. Jehovah Roy, he's our shepherd. Jehovah Ori, he's our light. Jehovah Sid Canoe, he's our righteousness. Right? He's El Amet. He's the God of truth. He's Elohim Kadoshim, the holy God. You can memorize some of the names and repeat them. Secondly, the way a priest reigns on this earth is by reconciling others to God that are in the word priest. Reconciling others to God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. We're told that God has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what a priest did back in the day, right? A couple thousand years ago. Somebody would come and say, I've sinned. I'm separated from God. The priest would say, let me help you be reconciled to God. And the priest would help the penitent person make a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. And he would help reconcile man back to God. God does not have to be reconciled to us because he's perfect. We have to be reconciled back to him. The word reconcile is actually... um, an accounting term and you do it when you balance your checkbook or attempt to balance your checkbook every Mm -hmm. month, right? You reconcile the checkbook. That's what reconciliation is, right? You balance it out. As priests, the way we reign on this earth is by helping others be reconciled to God. It's your job. He's raised up a royal priesthood, that's you, to go out and take on the ministry of reconciliation. So someone's having a bad day, right, in, in, in the office. And they're just going on and on. And, and uh, you sit down with them and say, well, you know that God loves you, right? I don't know that. I, how could God love me, right? How could God love me? You help them reconcile with God. You help them understand who God is. Right? You lead them to Jesus and say, Jesus wants to take away your sins. Will you let him. That's what priests do. That's what priests do. It's it's our job as a royal priesthood is to help men and women, teenagers and boys and girls be reconciled to God the Father through Jesus Christ. You might want to call it evangelism. You can call it witnessing. You can call it sharing your faith, whatever you want to call it. But the bottom line is you help this person who is against God now become for God. There's only two camps. You're either for God or you're against God. You're either going to live with Daddy, Abba Daddy, the rest of your life, or you're going to live with Satan the rest of your life. It's a choice you make. It's a choice your friends are going to make. As a priest, the way we reign on this earth is by helping more people come to Christ. Third thing. The third thing priests do is to intercede in prayer for others. To intercede in prayer for others. First Timothy Chapter 2, verse 1 says, I urge that request and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made to all people. Right? now, If you rearrange those words, it spells the word trip. Prayer life needs to be a trip. Thanksgiving, right? Request, right? Intercession and praise, right? That's what it says. I just like seeing things like that. I'm sorry. It just happens. I, I don't expect it. I'm looking at it and it just happens. But priests intercede on behalf of others. That's what the priests of old did. They interceded in prayer. God, the sinner's here. He's come. He's he's humbled himself. He's penitent. He's he's admitted his sin. He's confessed his sin. And, And so the priest would pray a prayer to God. Well, the same thing is true today. Now, people don't have to go through a priest to get to God today. They just go directly to him. But our job is to intercede on behalf of other people. I'm guessing that some of you have been praying for somebody for a long, long time. Haven't you? Five years? Ten years? Eighteen years? twenty, six years? Sixty years? You know, whatever it is. We've been interceding on behalf. Priests do that. We cry out to God on behalf of someone else who maybe they know they need help. Maybe they don't know they need help. It's not our job to determine that. Our job is to intercede on their behalf. To cry out to them and say, God, please bless this person. Please help this person. I can't help. Every time I think of the word intercede, I think of Jimmy Stewart. You know Jimmy Stewart? It's a wonderful liar. <laughs> you, you, you want the moon, Mary? Do you, do you want the moon, Mary? I'll, I'll lash her with a lash. I'll bring it down. You can eat the, the moon, and moonbeams will shoot out your eyes and your ears. <laughs> what do you want, Mary? I thank get you, thank you, thank you very much, <laughs> but remember how the movie starts with, with the stars spring, you know, flashing, and it's angels talking. And George, needs George needs help. George needs help. George needs help. People are praying for George. They're interceding for him, and he gets sent Clarence, the angel, right? Who, who jumps in a river, right? Who does that? We are called to intercede for people. Don't ever give up. You, you may pray for them for 20 years or 30 years and not see anything. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep praying for them. Have a prayer list and, and just keep praying for them. We intercede. The fourth thing is, priests exonerate God. It's a word we don't use a whole lot. Exonerate. It means to declare that someone has not done something wrong. To declare that someone has not done something wrong. God gets a bad rap. Yeah. We, we blame a lot of things on God that we should blame on the enemy or on our own stupidity or on the evil in other people. Right? But we blame it on God. You know, One of the things I've heard throughout my ministry is a young baby is, passes away, is stillborn. And somebody says, well, God just won another angel in heaven. Horrible theology. Horrible theology. Horrible to say that to any mother or father or grandparent or aunt or uncle. You just don't say that. Never, ever say that, ever. Staple your lips together if you feel like you're going to say that, right? We need to exonerate God. God doesn't kill babies. Like- Evil people kill babies either before they're born or shortly after they're born now, we can do that in twenty seven states, right? Horrible, despicable, that's straight from straight from hell. You need to know that, if you don't already know that. But we need to exonerate God and help people understand, no, that's not how it works. One of our representatives who <coughs> continues to stick both of her feet in her mouth, and I won't call her name. But the massacre that took place this past week in New Zealand, if you read about it, at a mosque, her statement was, uh, if your God's so real, why do houses of worship continue to be shot up if, you, if, if God is really real? Evil, evil is in the world, right? God does not allow that. He does not start that. He does not pull the trigger, right? Priests exonerate God. They help hurting people understand who God really is. That's what priests do. And the only way you and I will really understand who God the Father is, is by studying Jesus and knowing everything we can about him. Because it says in Hebrews, Jesus is an exact representation of the Father. That's what it says, right? Right? This means yes. Jesus is an exact representation of the Father. So if you want to know what the Father's like, study Jesus. He went around doing good, healing people. He never gave anybody cancer, diabetes or, or heart attack. Ever. You never see Jesus doing that. He's always delivering people from the bondage that they're in, whatever that bondage is. So, when we're meeting with people and we're interceding for them and we're and we're a priest on their behalf, We need to make sure we're exonerating God and helping them understand who God really is. And that will only happen through understanding who Jesus is. We need to declare God is blameless. God is holy. He's righteous. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Right? The fifth thing. Priests sacrifice to God. That was a priest's job. He sacrificed animals all day long. Can you imagine? Can you imagine six days a week killing animals as a sacrifice back in the Old Testament times? Can you imagine that as a job? They they worked in shifts. Uh, Like we have shift work today. They had shift work back in the day. But they still had to be on call and be ready to make sacrifice for people's sins. They make sacrifices to God. And as priests, we still make sacrifices, not animals, thankfully, because Jesus Christ was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. We see him in chapter 5 here, where he looked like a lamb who had been slain, right? Died for our sins is what that means. But we as priests are called to make sacrifices. Now, it says in Malachi, if you... If you want to really find out who you are, you'll read Malachi a lot. Because Malachi doesn't hold any punches. And in Malachi, he says, uh, chapter 1, he says, if if I'm your father, where's my honor? And you say, well, how have you dishonored us? And he says, you've dishonored me by offering the worst animals as a sacrifice. You've brought your worst, not your best. Why are you bringing me animals that that are sick and blemished? And so forth, he, gave, he gives a list there. Why are you bringing that? He said, "Why don't you offer that to the IRS and see if they'll take it?" That's how we would interpret it today. He said, "Take it to your governor and see what he thinks about it. What kind of sacrifice are we as priests making before God? Are we offering God our best or our worst? That's what Malachi is saying. And the book of Malachi is written to the priests, the people also, but in general it's written to the priest, the priesthood. He's saying, you priest, which is all of us now, are you offering me your best sacrifice? I guarantee you on April 15th, if you send in 10% less to the IRS than you're supposed to send them, you're going to get a letter. If you send in 5% less, if you just cheat 1% less than what you owe the IRS, you're going to get a letter. And they're going to say, you owe us $10 more And if you don't send them in, they're going to send you another letter and say, you owe us $10 plus interest. And if that goes on long enough, they're going to send you a letter and say, we want you to show up at this office with your records at such and such a day and time. And if you don't show up then, somebody's going to come knock on your door. Do you know the IRS? Agents have guns. Do you know they have the right to come into your house? Do you know that? I suggest you pay your taxes. That's my suggestion. Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Now, Caesar's dead, so I'm not sure how that works now. Right? I can make a theological debate. Somebody take his, <laughs> his place. Yeah. We won't go there. I'll stop at that point. And then he goes on to chapter 3 in Malachi. And he says this. He says, he says, why don't you just try 10% of what you make? See, he says, you say you love me, but where's the love? How about, how about 10%? Just trust me, try me, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven. And pour out into you, into your bank account more than you ever thought you could imagine. Just trust me. Just try it. Just trust me. That's a sacrifice that we make. Malachi is all about. The priest is all about the sacrifice. Priests still make sacrifices. The sacrifices don't have to be financial. right? A sacrifice can be loving your husband or your wife. It can be loving your co-worker. It can be loving that person in the car in front of you, right? It can be loving your grandparents or your 13-year-old, right? There are a lot of different types of sacrifices, but priest, if we're going to reign on this earth, we must make sacrifices to God. And we ask Him, He'll tell us what we need to sacrifice. That's how it works. And then the last thing. The last thing that priests do to reign on this earth is to testify to God's goodness today. To testify to God's goodness today. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8 it says, Paul's encouraging Timothy, he says, do not be ashamed to testify about the Lord. Do not be ashamed to testify about the Lord. Revelation 12, 11 says, and they overcame by the Blood of the Lamb, and the word of of their testimony, and they did not shrink back in the face of death. They weren't cowards. That's what that means. They did not shrink back in the face of death. We overcome through the blood of Jesus, that's through being saved, we overcome through our testimony. Priests give a testimony of what's happening today. Now, your testimony is not about what happened 20 years ago, you know, right? That, that's a biography, that's, that's an autobiography, that's, that's, that's history, that's a, that's a whole other word. <clears throat> a Testimony is what did God do this week? What did God do this morning? That's a testimony. A testimony is fresh, it's relevant. And as priests, if we're going to reign on this earth, we've got to give a testimony about what God is doing now, here, today. If he's not doing something in your life, then you need to cry out to him to do something in your life, today. Right? And then give a testimony about that. That's why at the end of the service we give people a chance to give a testimony. It's because priests do that. Priests love to give a testimony. A shout out to God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You are my witnesses. Whether you like it or not. You're my witnesses. Whether you say anything or not. You're not my witnesses. You are my witnesses. Jesus is saying you're all a God. Your plan A. There's no plan B. Somebody shout out to God, right? Five things I learned from this. First, serving God is how you reign on earth. Secondly, serving God is how you release God's blessings on others. As we become priests, as we act like priests, the blessings from God flow through us to others. The third thing is, as we serve God as priest, we restore God's original design on this earth. As we serve as priests, we are responsible and have the opportunity to restore God's original design for the earth. Four, as we serve God as priests, we revive those who have given up. As we serve as priests to other people, we revive what was inside of them that needs to come back to life. There are a lot of those people there are a lot of Christians right now who have just kind of given up. They've looked at the world and they've given up. The Bible says, Jesus says in Matthew, chapter 24, he says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many has grown cold. And that's Christians. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about Christians. Every one of us knows a Christian whose love has grown cold. Right? And if we'll be a priest and practice these six things we talked about, we can be responsible for a revival in their hearts and a revival in the church and a revival in our own church. And then the fifth thing, as we serve as priests, as we're serving God as priests, we reveal God's true character to the world. We reveal God's true character to the world as we act as priests. Jesus is our great high priest. And as we act like him, We usher in who God really is into this world. And the world really needs needs to see the real Jesus. More now than ever before. Ever before. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And I pray that if there's anyone in this building right now who's never said yes to Jesus, that they would say yes to Jesus today. They would say, Lord Jesus cannot save myself lord jesus i'm lost in my sins lord jesus please save me father if there's anyone here let them pray that simple prayer lord jesus save me today and father for for those who are in christ jesus help us to live as priest before you help us to live uh, as a royal priesthood father praying for people interceding for people serving people serving you exonerating you telling the truth about who you really are declaring that you're blameless and holy and righteous and pure and lovely and altogether beautiful Father, help us exonerate you in all that we say and all that we do Holy Spirit come now and put someone on our heart someone who needs to be revived in their spirit someone who's grown cold and their love for you because of the world's events or, or other hardships. Put them on our hearts, Father, and give us the courage and boldness, the wisdom and understanding to go speak to them and to encourage them and to help them and to honor them in some way, Father, that we might draw them back into a relationship with you. Father, thank you for always being there, for being present in our lives. We honor you. We worship you. We rededicate ourselves to give the best sacrifice that we have this week for you. Father, we rededicate ourselves to give of our tithes and offerings the best that we have for you. We rededicate ourselves to offer our words of praise and worship and thanksgiving to you the best that we have this week. Father, as we take communion, celebrating your Son, what He's done for us, and what He continues to do in our lives, we ask that you come and just reveal yourself more to us today than we've ever seen before. In Jesus' name that we pray.